Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick. Well, if you're like me, you're troubled by what's happening in Illinois and America. Abortion is being promoted as health care. Christians are being shamed into silence on same-sex marriage and transgenderism. And socialism seems to be growing in popularity among young people. Here to enter the fray is the Reverend Dr. Erwin Lutzer, who has biblical perspectives on these and other issues of our day. And he shared them during a recent Illinois Family Institute forum at Jubilee Bible Church in Medina, Illinois. Dr. Lutzer is the pastor emeritus of the Moody Church in Chicago. You can hear him on more than 700 radio stations. His new book, The Church in Babylon, Heeding the Call to Be a Light in the Darkness, is a must-read. Dr. Lutzer took questions from the audience following his presentation at the IFI Forum, When the State Becomes God. If you have a question for Dr. Lutzer, try to make it short, concise. We'd like to get to as many as possible. Let me start out with one, Dr. Lutzer. Does being faithful include civil disobedience? Yeah, I think that um, it does. I think that within the law, it's possible, and certainly civil disobedience, I think, in American law. You have to remember, I was born in Canada. That's a different country and uh, so forth. But I think that that is um, certainly possible and right. You know, I mean, you think of the civil rights movement, there was a lot of civil disobedience. The problem with civil disobedience today is it often goes into violence and the destruction of property and all that. But um, there may be times for civil disobedience, yeah. First question. Thank you so much, Pastor Lutzer. I have one question in three short parts. So pastors in Nazi Germany, if they preached a sermon to their congregation referring to Jewish people as being subhuman because that was the decree of the government, what would your judgment on that pastor be? Part two, in the eyes of God, is it possible for persons of the same sex to be married to each other? And part three, if a Christian pastor today in front of his congregation in a sermon refers to a same-sex couple who went through a secular wedding under the laws of Illinois as being married or wedded to each other and told his congregation that, what would you say about that pastor's sermon? Uh, okay, you asked three questions. Um, I uh, hope I get them in order. Number one, regarding Nazi Germany, of course, if, if, if a person were to say that, you know, that the Jews are subhuman, I mean, he would be denying the faith. I mean, I, I would think that he'd be an unbeliever and anything else that you want to say about him. But I want to take this opportunity to talk to pastors, if I could. One of the things that pastors face is this. Younger evangelicals are saying, if we preach about these things, such as same-sex marriage and others, it's going to be a stumbling block. We want people to come into the church, and that will be a stumbling block to them. So we have to avoid all of these issues and just preach the pure gospel. And my 
view is a little different. I believe that it's the role of the pastor to speak about the controlling realities of the culture. But when you speak about something like same-sex marriage, you have to preach with brokenness and compassion because there are people in every congregation who are struggling with same-sex issues. But we have to hold to the Bible, but at the same time do it in such a way that we um, don't come across just judgmental and harsh, but brokenhearted over the grief and the, and the issues that people are facing. So I think that pastors need to rethink. We expect pastors to solve problems. We expect uh, politicians to solve problems that we as pastors aren't willing to preach on. And that, I think, is an important thing. Now, that was number two. And number three, number two was what? After? Oh, in the eyes of God. Well, you know, I have never been asked that question before, but this would be my view. Of course, they may be legally married, because the state of Illinois says you can be legally married. So they are legally married. Are they married in God's eyes? No, they're living in immorality. So that's my answer. And what was the third question? The third one, the third one was whether a pastor now, in addressing his congregation, can properly refer to such a couple who went through a secular marriage. Can that pastor properly refer to that couple in front of his congregation as being married or wedded? No, unless he makes the distinction I just made. He may be uh, legally married in terms of this, but that which is legal is not necessarily moral. For example, abortion is legal, but abortion isn't, isn't moral. And by the way, speaking of abortion, you know that congressman who said that the baby would be born alive and then given comfort care as it is allowed to starve? Do you know what Hitler said? Hitler starved children, but he called it putting them on a low-calorie diet. So you can see how language is used. Even termination of a pregnancy is not killing a preborn infant. Language is used to soften the reality of what is happening. Question, Pastor. Dr. Luther, uh, the church has been indicted uh, quite a bit in relationship to the immigration issue that we're not compassionate. How do you respond to that? I respond to it by inviting you to, re to read the chapter that I wrote in my book on the topic. <laughs> I want to simply say this, okay? In that chapter, I make a distinction between the role of the state and the role of the church. The role of the state does not have to be one of compassion. You do not run a state by having compassion as your foreign policy position. The state, the symbol of the state in the New Testament is the sword. That means keeping order, Oftentimes, it involves a lot of issues. It involves whatever that order may be. The role of the church is compassion. It's the cross. You take care of all refugees, no matter what country they've come from. And I could tell you stories about churches that are doing that. But unless we keep those distinct, the reason I wrote that part, the first part of the chapter has to do with Islam's view of immigration, which is really a form of jihad. But the reason I wrote that other part of the chapter is because I heard a man once say, the gospel is for everyone, so uh, you know, we should open our borders to everyone. 
That is, that is really, really unwise. Or you hear, well, Jesus was a refugee. Well, number one, we don't know that his parents broke any laws. But number two, you cannot take a story like that and say that this is applicable to American uh, policy. Furthermore, you know, the, uh, in Israel, they allowed foreigners in. Well, the church is not Israel. And furthermore, those foreigners had to convert to the God of Jehovah. They were, they were not some group over there with their own religion. So it doesn't really apply. So anyway, I think a state should be compassionate whenever it can be. But you cannot run a state based on compassion. You can't fight a war based on compassion. You oftentimes cannot keep your borders. Now, this, is, this bothers me because when you see a mother at our southern border with her children, my heart bleeds for her. All of us should bleed for her. But it's a much bigger issue in terms of how immigration is done. And I think our immigration system probably has to be re, uh, overhauled and all those other things, but uh, the way it exists so that you have a better process. Anyway, maybe I've said too much already. So we have to keep the state and the church distinct. Is the wall immoral? Is the wall immoral? I'm glad my uh, PA went off as soon as you asked me that. <laughs> you know, because I want to stay out of the politics on it, I don't know whether or not the wall is the best answer and so forth. But of course, it's not immoral. Every politician lives behind walls. So what's happening? Well, let's go to the next question. Well, you said that we could be faithful even if we don't have religious freedom. Would you say that there is value in fighting for religious freedom? And if so, what is the value? Oh, absolutely we should fight for religious freedom. And that's where, as Americans, I now am an American citizen, by the way. Thank you for welcoming me into your country. That's why, as Americans, it is so important for us to vote. Obviously, because we have been given the means by which we can elect certain people based on certain policy. Uh, the uh, Illinois Family Institute, I'm sure, exists for the express purpose. One of the purposes is freedom. Uh, you know, the national religious broadcasters, they exist, number one, to maintain freedom in the airwaves and so forth, because there are many forces over there that want to uh, shut down Christian radio. So absolutely, we, we fight every legitimate way for freedom. But it's not as if, if we lose a battle, we say, well, now we can't be faithful to God. Yes, we can. We just have to take the consequences. This is Illinois Family Spotlight, Dr. Erwin Lutzer's responses to questions during a recent IFI forum after this. Hi, this is Pastor McCracken, pastor of the Church of Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in Markham, Illinois. For the last four years, our church has been struggling to overcome the city's efforts to shut us down. In the midst of all of our legal issues, we felt overwhelmed and discouraged. All we wanted to do was worship the Lord and serve our community. We needed a law firm that not only had the knowledge of the law, but the same commitment of the kingdom of God. The Lord connected us with the law firm of Malcolm Baker. 
The attorneys at Malcolm Baker have not only provided us with exceptional legal representation and counsel, but have also provided us with the added gift of lawyers who pray with us and seek the guidance of the Lord at every step. After working with Malcolm Baker, we can't imagine working with anyone else. Hi, this is Noel Sterrett, an attorney with Malcolm Baker. If your church or ministry has any legal needs, please call us, 312-726-1243, or look us up online at maukbaker.com. This is Albert Moeller for townhall.com. The state of Kentucky is in the historic process of passing four new pro-life laws, all of them expected to be signed by Kentucky's pro-life governor, Republican Matt Bevan. One has already been appealed. It's a law that would nearly ban abortion after about six weeks of pregnancy. The fetal heartbeat bill would protect life once a detectable heartbeat is existent. House Bill 148 would ban abortion completely in the state of Kentucky, taking effect only in the event that Roe v. Wade is reversed. Another would require physicians to tell women about certain realities of life and options available to them in the event they're considering an abortion. But in moral terms, one of the most important of these bills is the last one, House Bill 5. It would make illegal abortion based on race, gender, or the disability of a fetus. But the pro-abortion movement is fighting it with everything they have. It's a big moment for the cause of life. I'm Albert Moeller. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight during this edition. We're featuring a Q&A session with the Reverend Dr. Erwin Lutzer at an IFI forum, When the State Becomes God. Thank you, Dr. Lutzer, for being here tonight. I want to ask a question about worshiping the state. Uh, As government gets bigger, as socialism gets bigger, our government is growing. We're $22 trillion in debt. What do you see as these government employees worship their pensions, worship their pay, worship their government unions, and the faith component of those government employees who just who just gets bigger and bigger and bigger government as Christianity seems to just get less and less. So I see a really worshiping of the state by numerous government employees, and the pensions get bigger, and the debt gets bigger. Could you speak to that, please? Well, we have to tread carefully here because everybody is concerned about their... Um, their uh, money that they receive. So I think the fact that you are worried about your salary doesn't necessarily mean that you're worshiping the state. The problem with Illinois is this. Whenever you have elections where people make extravagant promises and they win because they make the biggest promises, obviously the state, you and me, through taxes have to pick up those promises. And years ago, when the state seemed to be doing well, they had extravagant retirement funds. And now they have to fulfill those. And the implications are are huge, you know. And all that we see is the state of Illinois continuing to get into greater and greater debt. I think you worship the state when you look at the state as your sustenance instead of God. But all of us know that those who work in the government, they need to get paid and so forth. I guess when I was talking about when the state becomes God, I was thinking more of the laws that are passed that curtail freedom and invade uh, freedom of conscience. My question is um, two. Um, you said time is short, eternity is long. What was the next sentence? 
That was one question. And the other question is, um, what are your thoughts about America in the end times, where, we, where America stands in the end times? I don't know what I said after I said time is short and eternity is long. Oh, yeah, eternity actually determines the meaning of time. Let me give you a good scriptural illustration where you have the rich man and Lazarus. So here's this rich man who is living sumptuously. He's got all these things. And um, the reason Jesus told the parable is because the people loved money. That's what it says. So in eternity, it's all reversed. The poor man is blessed in Abraham's bosom, and the rich man is in Hades. So eternity actually determines the meaning of time. I guess I said that. I've never said that before, but I think that's right, worth writing down, actually. <laughs> now, what was your second question? America stand in the end time. Boy, am I ever going to tread carefully here. I'm frequently sent books that people want me to review or to read or something, and one was sent to me a few years ago entitled, The End Times Are Here Again. One day at Moody Bible Institute many years ago when you were younger and I was younger, I went to the library and I checked out a book by Oswald J. Smith, who was a Canadian pastor, great missionary statesman, who wrote a book during World War II showing conclusively that Hitler was the Antichrist, Mussolini was the false prophet. He had everything worked out wonderfully. There was a problem, he was wrong, but apart from that, the scenario fit exactly. And I checked it out for this reason. When it comes to prophecy, it is always best to say much too little than a little too much. We'll have to just wait to see America in prophecy. When we go up in the pre-tribulation rapture and we wave to all the post-tribbers down there and they'll be so glad we were right and they were wrong, we'll figure it out then. I have time for one or two more, and then, uh, you know, us older people, I, I notice some are already falling asleep. <laughs> and Dr. Lutzer, um, I've known about stories of pastors in Canada who have been told they cannot preach on certain topics like homosexuality. Yes. What lessons can American pastors, elders, churches learn from the pastors in Canada? How are they responding to that challenge. Yes, if you're thinking of McVitie in Toronto, his sermons have to be approved by a committee on Wednesday before they can be shown on Sunday. And uh, that's where we're going. I hope that you picked up when I talked about we have to be so tolerant that we have to accept other people's intolerance, which is really a contradiction, but I want to make that, that we are living at a time when tolerance means that I accept your intolerance. And um, it's tragic. And I mean, it's like incrementally, we are losing our freedoms in that regard, and hate speech is one of the worst possible things. All, obviously, all of us are opposed to hate speech, but anything can be hate speech. Anything that you disagree with what I say could be hate speech. So once you start going down that road, it's terrible. And as pastors, I understand that in churches in Canada, you can still preach whatever you want, but it had better stay in church. But if you're going to be on TV, you have to pass the rigorous uh, test. And um, 
So it's tragic, but how are we going to navigate that? Things are going to get so bad, we're going to have to trust in God. <laughs> Pastor, yeah. I think we'll close out with this question from a senior citizen. <laughs> a senior citizen. So I don't know how serious a question this is, but where do you get your sense of humor? Well, it's one of the gifts that the Apostle Paul left out in his list. I could talk about that because actually, I have to tell you just between us, there is a certain knack to telling a story there have been people who have told funny stories and nobody has laughed. So it's just something I grew up with and I use it. I hope I use it well so that I don't misuse it. I could stand up here right now and do comedy for 20 minutes, but that might not be appropriate and I don't think that that's why we came here. You have one more joke in you for today. One more joke? Yeah. Oh my. Uh, <laughs> All right, it's about the government, so this, is, this fits. In Texas, now you have to understand Texas. There was a Texan who was actually driving, uh, this isn't the joke, but it prepares you for it, from, he was driving from the United States across the border into Canada, and when he crossed the border, a government official there at the border said, you got any guns? A Texan said, what do you need? <laughs> uh, So anyone, Monte, this relates to the government. A guy from the DEA, Drug Enforcement Agency, goes to Texas, and there's a farmer there. And the guy, the official said, I'm here to inspect your farm because we think you're growing marijuana here. Farmer said, fine, you can go anywhere you like. But do you see that field over there? Don't go there, but you can go anywhere else. And the official pulled out his badge and shoved it in the farmer's face and said, look, from the DEA, I have the authority of the government to go wherever I want. The farmer said, oh, okay. So a few moments later, of course the man went to that part of the farm first. A moment later, the farmer hears this shriek, and the official is running, and a great big bull is chasing him and about to gore him. And the farmer shouted, show him your badge. Show him your badge. Let's thank Dr. Lutzer. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Dr. Lutzer, as we head home, give us a final word of encouragement. A final word of encouragement is that... Um, America still has a lot of strong churches. Uh, there's still a lot of pastors who are preaching the gospel. Uh, there is lots to be thankful for. We still have a lot of freedoms, and we can, uh, we can really rejoice in that. And it's possible for us. Do you remember the, um, the Silver Dome in Detroit? I have this in the book that God wants all of you to have. Um, <laughs> You know, they, on, on December the 7th, about 2016, they were going to blow up the Silver Dome. And I don't know if you saw it on the news. Here you have all these cars, thousands of people gathered. It was a Sunday morning. 
to blow up the, the silver dome. And suddenly the dynamite went off and everything went off and the stadium didn't fall. And um, it fell a little bit, but the beams still stayed and, and the structure stayed. And somebody said, you know, it was just built too well. And Jesus owns the church. I will build my church. And you know when he said that, we're going to Israel in March. Some of you ought to be coming with us, but you aren't. And I'm going to stand in, uh, in Philippi, where Jesus said that, Caesarea Philippi. And you know where he said that? Monte, this is a great place to end. When Jesus said, upon that rock I'll build my church, it was right in the midst of pagan religion. Right across the way there were these, uh, these uh, caves and the worship of the god Pan, and this was the headquarters. Right in the middle of pagan religion, Jesus said, I will build my church. And we leave tonight with a tremendous amount of hope, with a tremendous Savior, and a great builder of the church. All right, thank you. Pastor, close this in prayer. Father, we thank you today. Thank you for these dear people. Would you give us wisdom? Would you give parents wisdom as to how to teach their children? Would you help us to know how to motivate our congregations? Would you help us, Father, to know what obedience looks like in a nation that has forgotten God? Would you help us to be good witnesses at a time when our light is considered to be darkness? Motivate us, we pray. And we ask, Father God, that through your Holy Spirit, the, the ministry of this organization and our own ministries might impact neighbors and friends and politicians. We are in your hands, and we leave in your hands tonight, not in the hands of government or the hands of Satan, but in the hands of Almighty God. And we thank you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. The Reverend Dr. Erwin Lutzer, during a recent IFI forum at Jubilee Bible Church in Medina, Illinois. Our thanks to Dr. Lutzer and to the leaders of Jubilee. By the way, you can purchase copies of The Church in Babylon and other books authored by Dr. Lutzer by clicking the Resource Center at IllinoisFamily.org. A reminder, please call and ask your state lawmakers to vote no on extreme pro-abortion legislation. House Bill 2467 and Senate Bill 1594 would repeal Illinois' Parental Notice of Abortion Act, and House Bill 2495 and Senate Bill 1942 would lift restrictions on late-term abortions. For the names and phone numbers of lawmakers, click Officials Finder at IllinoisFamily.org, our homepage. Also, visit 40daysforlife.com for information about the current prayer campaign to end abortion and for information about the pro-life movie Unplanned. And tell a friend about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.